Well, good morning, gents. Good morning, good morning. Good to be here with you. Hey, would you stand for a moment? Let's just start off the day together with a, with a song. We'll sing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, oh, I, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, all heavenly hosts. Praise Him. Oh, goodness. I've got morning brain. Here we go. You'll help me out. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just invite you into this place. Thank you for the beauty of a brisk, cool morning and the steam rising off that lake, the light piercing through. Um, we are reminded of how amazing you are, that you can create such beauty like that and yet be so powerful to be able to move mountains. So Lord, would we be caught up today in your beauty and power and would you help us to be men who are like you, shepherds, caregivers, protector providers, soldiers for the cross. So Lord, help us. Bless this time. Thank you for these gents. We just ask and invite your presence, your guidance, your help here in this place. We pray and ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We all say, Amen. Amen. Well, before you sit down, I've got one task for you. You've got to find one person you don't know. And you've got to, <laughs> here's a question, you've got to ask them, how did they receive care sometime this year? How did you receive care sometime this year? Yeah, your name? James. James, let me turn this thing off. I'm Jordan. Jordan, nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. One way you received care this year. first kiddo, and so my wife, not only, I mean, just seeing her give birth was the craziest thing in the world, but then um, seeing her, who's not a morning person. All righty, gentlemen, 
Guys, we got chairs in here. If you can scoot maybe away from the aisle, open up some seats. Gents, we've got chairs all over the place. Find a spot. You might have to split up from your group, though, and meet someone new. <gasps> oh. Punishment for being late. Hey, uh, one announcement. Um, as we said last night, there's still a camp actually going on in this property. Um, so if you need to use restroom during this time, we've got our hosts and golf carts, and they actually are just going to cart us over to the uh, public restrooms over by the gas station. So unless you want to get carted or walk, hold it, hold it. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll be back at, over there very soon. This won't, this won't be too long. Well, hey, good to be with you. It's, it's a privilege to be up here. This is my first men's retreat. Whose first men's retreat up here with him? Awesome. So sweet. So sweet. So I'm, I'm a rookie like you guys. Um, but just a little intro. I came up here for eight plus years as a youth pastor, um, bringing up students. And just got to see how God would just work in the lives of students up here in just a week's time. Obviously, that, that was coming alongside the the year of toil and investment of parents, youth pastors, teachers, all kinds of people. But God just does a unique thing up here in the mountains. And he's been doing a unique thing up here at Hume for 77 years now. Um, so it's just a crazy place. Just curious, who had a profound spiritual life-changing experience at a summer camp growing up? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So he, he's just still doing that, and he's doing that day as these kids are wrapping up. I got elementary kiddos here, so that's just one reason. Just for today, for the afternoon, until the afternoon, we're just doing restroom stuff over there, but then this becomes our playground after today's afternoon. So free time, we've got um, pickleball, basketball, ping pong, all this stuff. We'll talk more about activities. Yeah, woo, woo. Um, hey, you asked the question, maybe some of you didn't hear, um, but just a way that you received care in the last year. I'm just curious, who can just shout out, it doesn't have to be any specifics, you don't have to say any names, but just a way either you or the person who shared with you received care in this last year. Just a shout out, let's hear some. Got it. And so the people just rallying around after that heart attack, the care that you received. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who's one person that was just with you in the midst of that journey? Yeah. Yeah. Care, support, presence, encouraging words. Huge. Praise the Lord, Robin. Good to have you here. Praise the Lord. Others? Mm. Absolutely. Your dad's name. Thanks for sharing. Jacob. Others. Godly counsel for both of us in many kind of different situations, but um, that have felt like to lean on people that God has brought into my life mm -hmm. to get through something challenging from my past. Mm. And there are families from stuff we were dealing with and struggling through and yeah. leaning on us brothers and going to them for godly counsel and helping them Totally. So when we find ourselves in circumstances present or past that we just feel like we're out of our depths, we're, we're under our heads, we're, how do I get through this? 
the Lord provides people who've either been there, done that, or God's already brought them through the healing. So, I mean, the, just it's so beautiful how God uses the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, to be, to be his hands and feet to help us through. Praise the Lord. That's a sweet testimony. A few more. Ways we've received care. Yes. Oh, so the provision, even financial gift support, having a new kiddo. I'm with you. We've just got an 11-month-old. So, yeah, we received all that care. Absolutely. That's huge. A couple more. Wow. Praise the Lord. Rescue mission. Oh, so, yeah, new family. New family. Praise the Lord. Being cared for. Visalia Rescue Mission? No, Ventura, Ventura County Rescue Mission. VCRM. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Last two. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Takes an army, takes a community. Keith, good to have you here. And your name, sir? Your, your name? My name's Gordon. Gordon. Gordon and Keith. Good to have you guys here. It's awesome. Good to be here. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir, last one. Uh, my name's David. I'm here at Elementary Church in Minnesota. Mm. And then we got a good living gift twice. Good Your son's name? Ricky. Ricky. Mm. Thank you for sharing. So a reminder. Guys, can we go ahead and just sh shut those doors? Thank you so much. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just even in, in the ways that care has been received, just from the few that we heard and the endless stories that we didn't hear, Lord, I just want to thank you for the ways that you have used men and women in your name to come into our lives and care for us in our places of hurt, places of loss, places of weakness, times of need. Lord, there's probably still wounds of the times and the places and the circumstances where that didn't happen. So Lord, I just pray and ask that even during this time that you would do a work of healing in those areas of unhealed wounds, unmet needs, longings. But then, God, would you prepare each one of us to be men who could see the needs of our brothers and sisters, our wives, our children, our family, community, and to be ones who, like you, move towards the pain, move towards the needs and use and steward what you've given us to help. Guide us, direct us, Lord. We pray and we ask during this time, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray.
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for those who shared. I think there's a common thread that we're going to talk about, about the different ways of care that was extended, received by you guys, and it has to do, of course, with the care and love that we receive from our Lord God. So let's go ahead and open up to Ezekiel 34. as in the Old Testament. If you open the middle, a little bit to the right. Ezekiel 34. A little context, we're going to get into some shepherding imagery, so let's just do roll call, remind ourselves of the players here. Shepherds are looking out for the sheep, that's right, sheep, and if sheep were to have like one specific, at least fantasy storybook predator, that would be the wolf, wolf, and so shepherd, one who's looking out for the sheep, wolf is main character, he's on the lookout for, to protect, to keep away, to kill, to defeat, in order to preserve the care, protection, provision for the sheep. This passage that we're entering into is, uh, is a tough one, because God, at this time, is fed up with the shepherds, the so-called shepherds, of Israel. What, what, is, what does this title mean for in this context? It's the religious leaders, but also institutional leaders. This would be like today's mayors, job owners, but really anyone who has an influence in being able to provide care or not provide care. So at the end of the day, I want us to see ourselves, because I believe God has given us, every single one of us, a title of being a shepherd, being a shepherd. Under shepherds, of course, to the great and good shepherd who is Jesus Christ, but God has given us much to steward, resources, but then also people in our lives, and these guys have botched it big time. So this is God bringing them to the mat and calling them out for the ways that they have not done what they are supposed to, And he calls them out on what they have done that they were so not supposed to do. So this is a rebuke. So I'm going to read this first part with some intensity because I believe that God, only he can do it perfectly in his righteous indignation, his righteous anger. But he's calling these guys out because they are not caring for the people that he loves and he does care for. It says this, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, and you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not shown, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered. 
because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Thus far God's word. You don't hear scripture read that quite intensely every day. But our God, again, he cares for his people so intensely. And his desire to protect them even from the ones he has in his sovereign, perfect wisdom placed in those positions, his anger can come down on. So what's going on here? These guys are shepherds by title only, but they're acting more like wolves. They're consuming the flock. So if you're thinking about shepherd defending the sheep, a wolf is easy to spot. But then if we start getting schemy wolves and they have somehow costume supply, the next first level of scheminess would be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Classic. We've heard this before, stories. But if this wolf is super schemy, and an even more elaborate costume supply, that would be a wolf in shepherd's clothing. Doesn't that just sting hearing that? It's so counter what should be. A vehicle of death, destruction, harm, hidden within what should be the vehicle of life, care, protection, safety. We need to consider, even for us who have boldly proclaimed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have been walking with him in the faith, we need to acknowledge that even us still have, since we're still living in our flesh bodies right now, we've still got some wolf inside. And that wolf can rear its ugly head anytime we're leaving it unchecked. We are called to shepherd, care for others, but first, message for us, we need to be ones who are being shepherded before we can then shepherd. So we're just going to talk about us being shepherded first by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the gospel, being shepherded by his word, and then being shepherded by his people. And then we're turning it, once we're shepherded by God, Jesus in the gospel, his word, and then his people, then we turn out and we start shepherding, caring for others as God would have us do. 
So let's look kind of like we did last night. There's a pitfall going on here in these shepherds. What's the phrase that it used to describe the actions of these shepherds that totally disqualified them for the caring of the sheep? They were feeding themselves. Feeding themselves. So it's basic, guys. In a way, we just need to acknowledge selfishness turns us into wolves. Selfishness turns us into wolves. If that arrow in our life is pointing at ourselves, then that arrow in our life is most definitely not pointing out towards the care, love, protection of others. It compromises the role that God would call us into in being his under-shepherds, being the ones he has entrusted people, positions, business, influence, authority to. These guys are using their position for their own gain. And this is what's compromising them and making them, disqualifying them really from this office of shepherd. So just diagnostic question. With the power, with the influence, with the resources that you have, where are you tempted? Where do you Spend, use, whatever it is that you have for your own gain. That's selfish. That's apart from a question like, God, how could I steward, resource, use these things to worship you and bless others? Because what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, in Christ, our neighbors, everyone else besides us. Obviously, there's people in closer proximity that we have more of a priority to. And I'm not trying to encourage or recommend some kind of like flagellating lifestyle where you don't care for yourself at all. But I don't think that's our problem. I, I think we're looking out for me and my own in that order. But God would have something different to say. So for us to be shepherds, I'm just saying we need to first be shepherded by Jesus in the gospel. Because if selfishness is the root core problem going on here that's really unleashing these guys' wolfiness and totally allowing that to rule the day, we need to look to the one, the good, the perfect shepherd who shows us what it means to be truly selfless. We have an example in Jesus Christ of perfect selflessness. No selfishness ever to be found in Jesus. Isn't that crazy? No ulterior motive inside that guy? What would that be like? We don't know <laughs> what that experience would be like. We'll find out when he comes again and we're remade. What a day that'll be. That's not today. It could be today. It's not right now, <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> So just quick gospel recap. We're about to hear the gospel clearly from Eric this morning. I'm just stoked because the gospel is not a one-time thing. It is our story to retell ourselves, recalibrate, reorient ourselves daily to get the hope, the direction that we need from a God who loves us. Our God came down to earth. Let's just talk about that for a second. Condescension. This guy 
all-glorious, all-perfect, all-worth, all-glory, majesty, and praise in the most amazing place ever, heaven, with God, he chooses to come down into the slum that is earth and humanity. Not only does he do that, he clothes himself in the slum that is humanity. This guy puts on flesh. He becomes like us. He limits himself. He prisons himself, in a sense, in a womb. The infinite God, whoop, finiteness of a woman's womb, the humility of this guy. He comes out as a baby and is in need of his mother's care, protection, provision. The God of the universe. Have you thought about that? How low he brought himself? To live up, to be vulnerable to pain? Never but was before. This is what our God did to be able to love and care and shepherd for us because it had to be a man to put himself down on the chopping block for all of mankind. So he entered into our daily struggle. He faced and saw every single temptation that you and I know today, and he passed the test with flying colors perfectly, something that none of us, not me, not, me, not you, could ever do. He lived the perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. Why was a sacrifice needed? Because we're messed up. Immediately, we enter into the genealogy, the history, the heritage of the sin of mankind, started from our spiritual father and mother, Adam and Eve, that we inherited and then we contribute to right away. We're contributing to the sin every single day that initially, the sin that was unchecked without the help of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that is the sin that disqualified us from relationship with God. And set us on a trajectory to eternal death and eternal separation from him. That's the state that you and I wake up in. Apart from Jesus that we're born into. But praise God, because of this condescension, because of this perfect life, and because of his great love for all of us, he lays down his life. The one who is truly innocent and not deserving of any punishment, any harm, any bad. When was the last time you were accused of something that you did not do? How quickly were you called to arms to defend yourself when you know you're truly innocent? That's one out of 500 times for us. One time we're innocent, 499 times we actually did it. This guy, he's accused of all kinds of stuff, and he doesn't open his mouth. He could have opened his mouth in the same power that created the universe, the stars, and even the people who are accusing him and about to put him to death. He could have opened his mouth and unleashed a wrath, truly, of God. He kept his mouth shut. He took it, because if he didn't, we would. He stood in the place for us. He laid himself down. Praise the Lord. This is the gospel, guys, and this is the only place where we find life forevermore and establish relationship with God, the creator, author of life, the sustainer of life, and the one who wants to lead us out of that whole list that we heard last night. All those footholds, all those pits that we even dig for ourselves, our God, the good shepherd, is wanting to say, get away from those wolves. Step away from the cliff that you're walking, running towards. 
I have green pastures. I have good food. I have safety for you. Listen to me. From the professional, the professional shepherds, real life shepherds, they have this uh, term that they use to describe sheep. Professional jargon, professional terminology. The word is stupid. <laughs> sheep are dumb. They run off cliffs. They can't find the good water, the good food that they're brought to if they turn their back to it. They're dumb. I wonder why God describes us as sheep quite a lot in Scripture. We can be quick to forget. We can be quick to run off cliffs. We can be quick to get ourselves in danger and even bring the end of ourselves. But our God... In his kindness, being the good shepherd, he's like, no, no, no. For the millionth time, no, no, no. Come this way. So, first thing, before we have any chance of being shepherds, we're shepherded by the gospel. Because this allows us then to be conduits of good, because our God is the source of all good, and he's dishing it out to us, when before, you and I, apart from Christ, no good found in us. We're only tapping into our sin heritage, and that's what flows. Good might look good, but then there's internal problems because we're not doing it to worship God. We're doing it for our own glory or some other ulterior motives. Shepherded by the gospel. Shepherded by God's word. Talk about being steered away from cliffs. Guys, precious word. Precious, life-saving, life-preserving, clarifying, protecting word of God. We must, we must, for your protection, for your care, for your wisdom and discernment, for the guidance that can be brought to you and that can be stewarded by us to dish out to others, we must be shepherded by our God in his perfect truth. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Word, came, and with God's help and the Holy Spirit's help, they established this Word, perfect Word, truth, living words that bring life, not death, that protect us, lead us to to life, away from death. Guys, got to be in the Word. I said it last night. Pastor, I've sat under, has just said, we never drift towards Jesus. We never drift towards Jesus. We're only drifting away. This is the life preserver daily that's thrown to us because we're constantly drifting. If we're not anchored, we're gone. It can be slow. You're like, oh, I, like, like Eric and Ed were saying last night, I've read the word. Yeah, three months I read the word. It wasn't working for me. No, no, no. This is the anchor to hold fast to because maybe there's not a storm in life yet, but when that storm comes and you're anchorless, you're gone. We must submit ourselves to this word as the authority over us. Our God, his word. And then finally, just being shepherded by the men and women of God. We need to be shepherded by people who are shepherding like Jesus we got to be careful because even this passage is reminding us that there can be people in shepherding titles and shepherding roles that aren't fulfilling their job responsibilities. They're actually leading to their own gain and the harm of others. 
So how do we know that we're submitting ourselves to men and women who are like Jesus? we got to know who Jesus is. How are we going to know who Jesus is? We get to know him in his word. The gospel tell us, tells us all about him. And his apostles, disciples, they're telling us how we are to live like Jesus because they were the ones who were with him. So before we just go submit ourselves willy-nilly to anybody, we got to see fruit and proof in their life that they're following Jesus. And I imagine it can be so clear for you guys to see that. When you see someone going through suffering, hardship, and yet you see them holding fast and moving towards others and laying themselves down. What's the thread of care that we were talking about earlier? It's this. It's selflessness. People laying themselves down to care for you guys in whatever way, whether that's expending finances to get diapers, spending time to be at the hospital, coming alongside and grieving and weeping with a brother who's hurting after loss, coming alongside in the tired and difficult days where the patients runs thin. That's the thread of selflessness. That's living like Jesus. Man, you want to give a compliment to someone? Say, you know what, you're really reminding me of Jesus right now in the way that you just gave your time to me, in the way that you helped me out when I got that flat tire, in the way that whatever it is, we want to have eyes to see how people are acting like Jesus. That's a compliment to give someone. So before we have any hope of being shepherds, we're being shepherded by God's word in the gospel, we're being shepherded by God's word in whole, we're being shepherded by God's people. And then we have the chance now to look out. So just think for a second. Who are the people that God has placed in your life to care for right now? Spouses, family, kids. But it goes beyond that. Who do you have influence on? Coworkers, neighbors. God has placed so many people around every single one of you. We don't have to go look and they're there. They're there right now. How in the world are we living to be like Jesus and stewarding everything that he's given us to give ourselves and what we have? Just think of our resources, time, energy, money, possessions, attitude. (laughs) How are we choosing in the daily to say, Jesus, because you did this for me, I can do this for you, and I can do this for them. What's the motive here? It comes and flows out of the security that we have in Jesus. Because if you're proclaiming Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, friends, this isn't promised riches here and now. This isn't promised pain-free life here and now. No, quite the opposite. It says persecution, it comes challenges, it comes, it comes opposition for the faith this side of eternity. But what it does mean is that every single need that you will ever have for all of eternity is met in Jesus Christ and is being held and prepared and is secure for you in Jesus. Just think of the timeline. We got what, a hundred years here for healthy? What's, what's infinity to a hundred years? Yeah, this is a hundred years. Infinity would be more than a ruler driving back down to Fresno. 
from this. It'd be more than that. It'd be more than that ruler just, you know, wrapping around the world a couple times, going to the moon and back. All of that is secure for you, pain-free, everything, all-inclusive, where you're experiencing a new body, a new mind, a new heart that won't be divided anymore. What will that be like? So if we know that all that's secure, what in the world are we doing if we're hoarding, if we're being selfish during this time? It makes no sense. Because this time is also the small window in which men like you and I, women, children, can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So what are we doing and how are we living with the freedom knowing of how much security we're going to have for all the rest of time to do all that we can to live how Jesus lives so we can give them a taste and example of the Savior that they can have that provides this security for them as well. We want to live and smell and look like Jesus as much as we can so that we can be a pathetic on-ramp to the good and perfect Savior. So that more and more people can find salvation and be brought out of the imprisoned life to evil, sin, and death. And again, that trajectory that every single person is on, if they don't know Jesus Christ, that is careening towards eternal death and separation from God. No good. That's the ultimate wolf that our God has saved us from. And that's the ultimate wolf that he has placed us in our communities, in our families, to be the shepherds to protect people from. So what's the first primary way that we are shepherds? We tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We point them to the true shepherd who truly and ultimately protects them for all time. You realize you have that? The gospel good news of great joy that is to be for all people? Our God came down, Emmanuel God with us, to initiate and finish a rescue plan? It's done. His work is done. The fatal wound has been given to sin and death and will be once and for all defeated and conquered. All the woes, all the pains, all the frustrations that we're still in the midst of will be dealt with when our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, returns and does away with all sin, all dysfunction, and the last enemy to be defeated is death. Because he faced it and he overcame it for us. So that even though we will taste death, unless he returns, we're going to die in this physical body. It's coming. It's coming. But death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's Jesus talking smack to death because he's done away with it. Praise the Lord. That's the good news that you carry around in your pocket. How often does it come out? I'm, I'm talking to myself right now. I have opportunities like this where it's just like a this is a softball to me to just share the gospel. But how often in my daily life when I'm at the gas station does it come out? When I'm talking with a person who's going to exist for eternity, and I don't know if it's with Jesus or apart from Jesus, 
There's nothing more on the line. There's no higher stakes than the eternal destination of us and every single person in this world. And God has placed us here with the cure. I got a minister this summer with a brother named also Jordan, Jordan Jarbo of Arkansas. This brother, 23 years old, terminal brain cancer. Doctors gave him four to five years, two years ago. Golf ball-sized tumor in his brain, inoperable on um, experimental drug treatment. This guy has come to terms with his mortal life coming to an end. He's had to grapple with it. It's been shoved in his face. Can't avoid it. It's a reality, which is also for us. His timeline just might seem closer than it is for us, but how many days do we have? Nothing's promised. We woke up today, praise the Lord. We were speaking up at Wildwood, the camp that I work at and lead in the summertime. About 120 students sleeping in tents. We just get them outside, get them dirty the whole week. They're doing work projects. It's an intentional grind and difficult. So to just churn up what's really going on in their hearts and minds. Take away all technology, get them looking at each other face to face, learn how to actually be humans and have conversations eye to eye. It's a good place. I like it. I think I'm good at like slightly offending people all the time, so it's a good place for me. We're talking about church this last summer. He had the night, he got to preach church as hospital. We're talking about church as different kind of buildings, the functions, the roles of church in a variety of ways. So he's able to say to all these high school students every week, on Tuesday nights, he's able to say, I've got two terminal diagnoses. One's my brain cancer, and one's my sin. That's the spiritual terminal diagnosis that we had for Christ and that all the world has. It's not just death being tasted this time before eternity. It's death for all of eternity and separation from God. He's got two terminal diagnosis, and he's able to say to the students every single time, God has dealt with the most important one. He has cured me, healed me through Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection on the cross so that I know that I have life secure for all time. So even though I've got this other terminal diagnosis that it seems like doctors can't do a lick about, his brain cancer only continues to develop and it seems like it's going to take his life. In the midst of that, he's able to stand in front of those students this whole summer with joy on his face, in his demeanor, and how he lives. Because all he wants to do now is just share the gospel. God's given him even a unique vehicle in the midst of suffering. Death pending, looming. Can you say that, guys? Can you say that the biggest problem in your life was your separation, your sin, your pathway to death apart from God? And God's dealt with it. If you can say that, and that can be your testimony, which we got to just talk about. We all got a testimony. If we've come to Jesus, he's radically changed our lives. There's a miracle going on in that life has been placed into in the midst of death, and death has been swallowed up in our lives spiritually. That's a miracle, and you're walking around with that in your pocket if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. How is that not at the tip of our mouths, and we're spouting that? We are more so advocates and salesmen for our sports team or our tire brand or whatever it is. We're more passionate about that. Oof. That, again, that's getting me. 
what, what are my priorities that these other things get up higher than the gospel? We have the gospel. That's the most primary way that we can shepherd. But then talking and circling all the way back to this earlier when we talked about just ways we are cared for, I think God's given us and he gives us platforms and opportunities to be like Jesus in basic care, in being selfless in care to people. I mean, if you stop, pull over, help someone fix a tire on the highway, who does that anymore, by the way? Maybe it's a big need and an open door. What would they say? Why did you stop? I've got AAA coming or whatever it is. Why did you stop? Say, it's an on-ramp. A way of just extending care can be an on-ramp to them. Again, the most primary thing of just sharing the gospel. You know what? At one point in my life, I was stuck in a sense. I was stranded and I felt like I was helpless. And then this guy, Jesus, came into my life. Have you heard about him? Can I tell you about him? Someone struggling with finances at some point in their life. What would it look like to move towards him? Help him meet a need? Yeah, I was lacking at one point in my life. And God gave me everything that I would ever need for all of eternity. Now I just get to steward what he gives me now, which is way more than I deserve. Do we have eyes to see that meeting the needs of people may lead to eternal life change? Do we have the balls to step in and proclaim the gospel in the midst of that time? It's amazing. Again, I'm preaching to myself. I get clammy. I get shy. I hold back. What will it be like for all of eternity when just the stories get told? What's the story that you have that brought you to know Jesus? Who was it that did something, that moved towards you, who asked the question again and leaned in, really? How are you doing? What's going on? You must be hurting. How did God use people in your life or the generations behind you to get those family members, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, before that, to know Jesus? What are the stories going to be? How does God want to use you to be, with his help, a source of more of those stories that are going to be told for all of eternity? Talking about a legacy talking about a heritage, what will, what will that be like? Your spiritual legacy in the lives of people that were brought from death to life for all time because of what God did and what we get to steward. Don't want to puff our heads too much because we still have the Savior. We are not saviors ourselves. We have the Savior. And he ended this passage that we just read by saying, No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. So even in the midst of this world, there's still going to be hardship, and there's still going to be ugliness, even in the church. If there is an institution that's goal is to acknowledge and go to war against the sin and dysfunction in us, of course that's going to be a messy place. That's where Satan at work battling. I'm not defending or advocating any kind of sin that is done by people in leadership. Again, this is God calling it out. Obviously, one wants to steer clear of it, but we want to acknowledge the reality that we're still messy people even though we've been saved by a good God. But how do we move in and hopefully, with God's help, create less mess? Because our God says this. He's ultimately going to clean up this mess. 
And when the time comes when we no longer have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus and his soon coming, he comes, that window closes of us and our opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Which is ultimately a good thing, but he's being very kind and patient keeping that window open. And aren't you glad he kept it open for you? Kept it open for me. Praise the Lord. So even though we are experiencing horrors in this world, hearing and watching some of those videos coming over from Israel, Hamas terrorism and the ways that they are treating women and children, it is gut-wrenching. And sometimes it's hard. God, why? Why are you allowing this? This time frame, this window is open for in which more death, more pain, more hardship comes into our view. But we got to remember, this is temporary. And this window is also open for us to step in and proclaim these words of life from Jesus Christ that secure life for all time. Can you imagine? I am so glad none of us are God, including me, because somehow he's able to hold that tension. Oof, it'll be big, long Q&A for God when we get to heaven. But he's able to wait because he's still got life in store, maybe for some of you in this room right now. He's waiting so that more would come to him. Rescuing more sheep. What a kind God. And here's just a little bit of the image of what it'll be like when he comes back. Verse 11 and 34. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the habited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. On the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There there they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. The fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Jumping down to verse 25. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land, getting rid of all the wolves, so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. The earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in the land, and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke, when we're freed, Deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. I will provide for them renowned plantations, so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. They shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people ones who have proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, are God's people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep. 
human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord. A little bit of distance there. I thought you were telling we're shepherds, and now God's telling us we're sheep. Yes. Yes. Remember, before we can ever have a hope of being shepherds, we need to be shepherded. We're the sheep. Ultimately, we're the ones who need care, and God provides that perfectly through Jesus the gospel, through his word, through the people who are like Jesus that God has placed in our lives to care and administer the gospel right to us day in, day out. And then we get to be the shepherds, under shepherds of the totally good and perfect shepherd who will one day come back, rescue, reclaim, and provide for us forevermore. Are we living like shepherds in light of the true shepherd? Are we laying ourselves down daily like he did for us to secure good for us for all time? How might we live differently if we're saying, God, what are you calling me to sacrifice today for the good of others in your name? Not for our gain, for his gain. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are a good God, and you have done so much to save us, people like us, people like me. God, thank you for your patience. I'm a slow learner. Thank you that you allow this gospel good news to be just that for all time. Not just the first time we hear it, but also the millionth time we've heard it. And may, may we keep hearing it, Lord. And may this gospel good news only become more and more sweet and good to us as we even learn more and more about our sinfulness, our depths of need. And Lord, as we have seen how you have cared and provided for us, would that fuel and motivate us to extend your care, your salvation to more and more? Lord, would you use this room of men in all of the places that you have, each one of them, to be lighthouses, to be fortresses of safety and care, compassion and love? Lord, would you show us all the different ways that that wolf inside of us rears its ugly teeth and disqualifies us from the care that we would be able to extend otherwise? Lord, shepherd the beast within us. Would you do away with, and you've done it already, freed us from the chains of sin and death. Thank you, God. But Lord, it seems like we and I are quick to put those chains back on. Would you put to death in us daily that wolf of sin, that wolf of selfishness inside of us, so that we could care for your people as you would have us do it. So Lord, we thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. You know every single person who's lived by faith to have an impact on the faith of every single guy in this room. Lord, thank you for them. Sunday school teachers, coaches, neighbors, parents, siblings, children. Lord, thank you for those who were bold enough to step out in faith and courageous love and care towards us. Would even that motivate us also to be living more like you in self-abandon, selfless, sacrificial love and care that we see perfectly lived out in you. Lord, thank you for this weekend. Thank you for the beauty of this place. Would you bless these guys, their relationships with one another, their recreation. Lord, would you keep us safe? And would you just continue to work and chip away at the hardness that we can have in our hearts, in our minds, with this truth pierce, as you say it does, sharper than a double-edged sword from your word. Would it pierce and make us a new, willing, and able people to live and serve you alone for the rest of our days. Thank you for this time, Lord. Bless the times we have ahead. 
Bless this day and all the fun that it's going to have. We pray and ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We all said, amen. Amen. Here we go.